You're listening to the Island Health Podcast from Mount Desert Island Hospital with Oka Hutchins. My name is Justin Starbird. We're coming to you from beautiful Bar Harbor, Maine, giving you tips on wellness, community, and service to help you live a more healthy life. Welcome back to the latest episode of Island Health. My name is Justin Starbird, and as always, I'm joined this morning by Oka Hutchins. Good morning, Oka. How are you today? Good. How are you, Justin? Hey, no complaints. Today is a beautiful day here in Maine, and um, I'm thrilled to be hanging out with you. And we're thrilled to have Kate Worcester here. Um, She specializes in family medicine and general surgery at Cooper Gilmore Health Center, and today she's joining us to talk about Botox and its therapeutic applications. Welcome, Kate. Thank you for having me, Oka and Justin. Well, we are happy to have you this morning. Um, and, you know, you're talking about a topic that, you know, seems to have a lot of applications and becoming a whole lot more uh, mainstream. So why don't you tell us a little bit about when did Botox become something that actually interested you um, and get you started uh, in this in this area? Yes, Botox actually initially interests me approximately eight or nine years ago, and I was looking into it more for cosmetic purposes to bring to our community. As I was looking further, it required an additional certification. Um, So I traveled to New York City, got that certification, and initially brought it back to the hospital with the intent of doing it cosmetically. And as we looked into it further for patient confidentiality reasons and just in our patient population who would want to actually come to the office to have a cosmetic procedure done, it was not as popular. So when I further expanded it, um, we looked into exactly how Botox could be used for more medical-based diagnoses uh, and how that could sort of trickle down. Botox initially came out purely for cosmetic reasons and women would go in and have it injected to have muscle relaxation or wrinkle relaxation. And it was found that they had fewer headaches and they had fewer facial tics if they had any facial tic or any eyelid twitching or anything like that. And that's where it started to really get expanded just from an FDA piece as to what other diagnoses could it be used for that would be helpful. And that's when I started to expand my practice here in the office as to what therapeutic injections I could do that would better serve our community from a medical diagnosis standpoint. And can we step back a second and find Mm -hmm. out a little bit more about how you got into medicine and what your Mm -hmm. background is that brought you here to to prescribe this interesting treatment? Absolutely. I've been practicing medicine here at MDI for 13 years. I am Maine-born. I went to a PA school at University of New England, and my first job out of school was here at our hospital, and I have been here ever since. And I was initially working in the emergency department and then expanded to be a hospitalist. And then as I branched out to do private practice, I really started to expand this particular part of my practice more. Um, But I have a special interest in it because it is so specialized and it takes specific training and a lot of repetition in order to get good at it. So patients get a good result from what you're doing. That's really exciting to hear that you're from Maine too. I think, uh, uh, you know, a lot of times we talk to folks um, that are, you know, you don't want to say from away that um, Mm -hmm. have helped endear themselves to the community and and improve the lives of our community. But that's really exciting to hear that you're, you know, from here and, um, and uh, thriving now. 
Yes, I've been living on MDI for over 20 years, actually, at this point. Wow. Um, yeah. Well, uh, it's uh, it's exciting to have you, um, you know, thriving here and uh, and doing well. Uh, you know, most of us know about the Botox from its cosmetic applications. You mentioned that, uh, you know, that's originally how it started. Um, yeah. What are some of the lesser known therapeutic uses that, um, that it actually helps? Absolutely. Um, first and foremost, the one that, the question that comes up most often is the treatment of migraine headache. So for the treatment of migraine headache, it has to be a headache that a patient has for at least about 15 days per month, really consistent tension type headaches. Usually patients complain of it more between their eyebrows and back in their neck. Um, if this is occurring so frequently that they're in discomfort that often, um, Botox can be used to help to paralyze those muscles to release that muscle tension and therefore reduce the severity of the headache. Sometimes it is curative actually for that type of headache. Um, second most common I get is for trigeminal neuralgia. And trigeminal neuralgia is a terrible, terrible, painful diagnosis um, where you have intense stabbing pain over your mandible down by your jawline and kind of up along your cheek. And patients frequently can get no relief from the oral medications that we use for it. And so what patients have the option of doing is coming in and I actually will paralyze the muscles that surround those nerve distributions. And oftentimes it's curative. So after one treatment, I frequently, about half of my patients do not come back again for repeat treatment. On the flip side, for migraine headache sufferers, typically they do have to come back about every 12 weeks for repeat treatment. Um, and then slowly over time, we're able to really reduce the frequency and the severity of the headaches. Um, the next common one is actually hyperhidrosis, which is excessive sweating. Um, and this can be in our armpits, clearly, but it also can be hands and feet, which is usually sort of socially one of the most awkward things patients will suffer from and want to be treated for. Um, and what that does is by having those injections in their hands and feet and paralyzing those muscles, we're not able to produce that excessive sweat that some people do and is so disturbing to their everyday lifestyle. Um, I've also done some just for blepharospasm alone, which is just, you know, fluttering of your eyelid where you can't get your eyelid to sort of stop having that tremulous activity. And it's a very simple, easy procedure to do to help to paralyze that, those small little muscles that are ticking back and forth. And oftentimes it can be curative, but I usually see those patients once or twice before we really get a, a drastic reduction. And then the two others are for cervical dystonia or torticollis, where our neck will kind of be pulled off towards one side. That's usually because one side, the muscles are tighter than the other side. So we're able to paralyze those muscles, relax them, and then patients get that relief from sort of having that symmetry back um, in their neck. And then we can also do facial tics, even if it's behavioral facial tic-wise, um, where it's more of a psychiatric piece by able by us able to paralyze the muscle and slow the frequency down. It almost helps the patient sort of gain confidence in that this is something that can go away, and uh, it oftentimes does. That's okay. so interesting. It is. I, you know, okay. I have one question to follow that up, though. Um, it, it, are there side effects to any of those treatments? Like, does Botex provide any side effects to those? Yeah. Yes. You know, I, the, the side effect, clearly, you're using a paralytic. 
is that you can paralyze a nerve that could cause an unwanted cosmetic effect. I don't do any injections in areas where it would be high risk for any further medical complications from a respiratory standpoint or even swallowing standpoint. Um, the most common side effect is some bruising initially, not always. There are some favorable side effects, like when I do a trigeminal neuralgia patient, it will almost patients will look like they had a little bit of a facelift because the muscle will flatten along the cheek and therefore sort of more define their cheekbones. Um, so oftentimes I will offer treatment on both sides only because insurance-wise they're able to get enough units so that I can give that symmetry look so they don't get that unwanted cosmetic uh, side effect. Mm -hmm. um, but the most common is some bruising and bleeding. It is not a painful procedure. Um, which type of diagnosis I'm treating determines how many injections you get and how many units you get. That's a common question, sort of, okay, am I just coming in for a one-time injection? And no, it's lots of little injections of small amounts of the Botox in specific areas, depending upon what treatment area we're, we're focusing on. So do you also practice this for cosmetic purposes at Cooper Gilmore? I do not, not for cosmetic okay. purposes at all. No, not through a hospital. All therapeutic. No. Yep. Yes. Yes. Interesting. So, when you do the the um, injections for symmetry, does mm -hmm. that have any other effects? Like, does that help um, you know balance out the the medical issue sometimes as well? It, it does actually, because you know if you think of trigeminal neuralgia as just being this just you know intense pain that oftentimes patients just they can't escape and you're able to release the pain on that one side. And then unfortunately, cosmetically, they're gonna have this asymmetry from doing it. When you give them that symmetry piece back, as they're trying to smile or as they're trying to squint their eye, all of the painful you know, actions that were really prompting their trigeminal neuralgia to get worse will start to really reduce because they'll pull those muscles in the same exact way, where if you only treat one side, frequently I can trigger trigeminal neuralgia on the other side if they're prone to it. Right. So it's one of the benefits of doing, you know, the um, doing both sides in treatment. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I frequently say that too for patients who have hyperhidrosis. So they'll say, well, you know, I'm right-handed and my right hand sweats a lot more than my left. And I'll say, well, what we should do is really make it so that both of your hands don't sweat. And oftentimes as they're not as stressed by having that stress reaction over time, they don't have to have repeat treatment. So what's a typical what's a typical engagement then? I, I guess it would probably depend on the treatment, no? Yeah. You mean engagement by interaction with patient? Yeah. Yeah, I I usually outline exactly what the procedure would entail, um, how many units of Botox it is. Um, from a insurance standpoint though, it's one hundred percent reimbursable for the diagnoses that I have mentioned, as long as a prior authorization has been done on their insurance. So I I typically see them in consult first. I found out exactly what they've used in the past and what they have failed. And that way I have good documentation to support the diagnosis and the use of Botox. And then I run their insurance to make sure it's gonna be reimbursable. And then we talk through the procedure. You know, I don't talk to the procedure usually until we really make sure that we meet all of the criteria. Um, I talk through the procedure about how long the results will last any side effects they may experience. Um, and then we decide together as to whether or not we're going to proceed. 
I think, um, you know, one of the things around Botox is you think of like Real Housewives of Orange County or something. Mm-hmm. Right? And, yes, of course. And you think about it cosmetically. You don't necessarily think about it medically. And mm-hmm. you then, you know, because you see that on TV or you see the, the social um, side of things from a cosmetic yeah. uh, element and the, and the, you know, the social um, mm-hmm. anxiety that that could actually create. I think it's mm-hmm. really great that you're out there advocating for the, you know, the therapeutic benefits of it and that, you know, that it's um, a real option for folks that, you know, have some of these uh, conditions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I really feel like it's sort of a new sort of, you know, I guess you could say up and coming treatment for pain. And, you know, here we are in a generation, a decade, you know, where we're all trying to struggle with how we treat pain in our population. And frequently pain is headache pain, muscle pain, tension pain. And this is now becoming more and more acceptable as well as, you know, FDA approved as a treatment for pain, which actually gives you relief. And that relief, you know, frequently does need repeat treatment. But just from a pain standpoint, I really feel like this is going to be part of our future for treating chronic pain and helping to improve quality of life. So do you get a lot of referral business? Like, you, had, mm-hmm. you know, Susan, Susan knew somebody um, that had the, had the condition, told them about you. And then, mm-hmm. you know, uh, her friend's husband, David came in and, and was like, Hey, Susan, <laughs> tell me all about it. Like, is that how this happens? Like, I, I feel yeah. like, you know, otherwise it's not a mainstream thing, right? It's not, you know, I very briefly did a quick um, blurb at one of our health center advisory meetings recently for the other providers, which prompted a lot of emails and a lot of questions just because it is such a new topic and it's such a new therapy. But what I'm finding is by treating one patient for trigeminal neuralgia, which also teach their, will treat their TMJ in case they clench their teeth at night from how stressful their pain is, I'll get another phone call from another Perino patient saying, you treated my friend for this. Is there any way you could see me for this? I mean, the most important thing I always say to the patient is I need to have the referral come from their primary care provider. And we have to have lots of good documentation to support it. But almost always, as long as their symptoms meet the criteria, we can treat them. But yeah, it is, of course, word of mouth. And then there's the cosmetics, you know, uh, there's the whole co- cosmetic piece of being attached to it where a lot of men per se have lots of questions as to, am I going to look like my face looks way too tight from having this done? And you I'll the say, cat, the cat lips, right? yeah. So, you know, am I going to look completely different? And I'll say, no, you know, and I actually, most of my patients I've treated so far are men. So I always sort of put that piece out there too, so that men are not afraid of coming in to have it done, that they're going to somehow have, you know, the uh, housewives of Orange County look. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> beyond that, which is incredible, is there anything else you think that um, our community doesn't know or isn't aware of about Botox? Well, I mean, certainly I have my own private practice here where I do do it for cosmetic reasons. Um, but, you know, that's something that is completely separate from our hospital. Um, but, you know, those are really probably the main pieces as to what we offer it for here now. Um, I do think there'll be a lot of benefit of like even putting out this podcast to our community so that they know it's an option and if it's something they want to proceed with and try. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the biggest piece. Right. And where do you think 
it's going to go for chronic pain because that's so interesting and it's mm. such a big issue uh. for us, you know, especially nowadays when people are really trying to get away from opioids and things like mm-hmm. that. And um, I, I'm just really interested in where, how do you think that's going to progress? Yeah, I mean, that's, this is really very, very new for it. But I mean, truly chronic pain, if it is spasm related and tension muscle wise related, this is and this is a treatment that is treatment specific to actually paralyze the muscle that is causing the pain. And it goes back to where we all wanted to treat pain for what pain was. And, you know, we ended up having to treat it by using opiate receptors in our head. And instead now of actually diving into the muscle that's actually causing the pain and releasing that tension, therefore improving quality of life, our psyche and our pain threshold in our head, just getting ahead on it. I really feel like this is going to really offer a more, as you could say, medically streamlined treatment where it's actually medically focused on the muscle group rather than us having to reach for other medications, which actually carry so many more side effects, which are concerning from a tolerance piece. And as we move down the whole addiction piece, um, Botox is a treatment that works. The effects usually start within about seven days they're maximized at 14 days, and then they stay that way for three months and then slowly wear off. That's one piece I have to tell patients. Um, so I check in with them at seven days. I check in with them again at 14 days to see where our pain is at. And I do it on a pain scale. You know, If they come in and they say, my pain is a 10 on 10, I call them at seven days and say, where are we at now? And then I call them again at 14 days and say, where are we at now? Um, so you know, Oka, really from a pain standpoint, my vision and dream would be that this could be used and expanded for more chronic pain syndromes. So when you say that um, it wears off after about the three months, Mm -hmm. but you did also mention that some conditions are treated uh, and cured with one, with, uh, with one treatment. Is that because um, it's reduced the stress and, and um, changed the muscle memory so that those things don't happen any longer? Yes, Justin, that's very smart. That's exactly what happens. And also while you paralyze the muscle, over time you get muscle atrophy. So the muscle will actually lay down flatter. So therefore it can't pull as much. Like when we are to lift weights, we're causing, we want muscle hypertrophy. With certain diagnoses such as trigeminal neuralgia or TMJ, we don't want that muscle hypertrophy. It is what's causing that pain syndrome to happen. And so by, you know, one injection, sometimes two or three injections is needed before the muscle truly will have that loss of muscle memory. At the same time as when we're treating certain nerve roots, when you're able to paralyze the area around the nerves, the nerve quiets itself at the same time as the patient feels better. So their stress and tension related to that gets better. And therefore, it's, we always call it getting ahead on the pain cycle. When you can get ahead with patients and relieve that pain, frequently that's where the, the psychiatric piece comes in, where our brain can co- sort of say, okay, wow, I feel relief. And all of those good neurotransmitters in our heads, our dopamine and our oxytocin start to go up because our quality of life goes up. Wow. So and when you say two or three treatments, that's actually yeah. six, that could be six to, you know, nine months. Yes. Um, so, so, uh, you know, now, now all of a sudden you're going on a half a year, almost a year mm-hmm. of, of mm-hmm. being symptom free. And so mm-hmm. then, then your body does, um, it, so you're treating, I like to, I'm thinking about it like the flower, like when the flower starts mm-hmm. to wilt, you don't fix the flower, you fix the environment around the flower, right? So, Absolutely. Um, yeah. you know, instead of, yeah, I, I, I think that's really neat. 
Mm-hmm. It is. It is for sure. You know, and uh, you know, certain types of diagnoses aren't curative after one treatment. But I recently had a gentleman come in with, you know, trigeminal neuralgia pain um, that had been diagnosed as a lot of different types of pain syndromes for over 25 years, and had really, really suffered. Had seen a neurosurgeon. Had even considered a gamma knife procedure, which is a really invasive, complicated procedure. And I said, you know, let's try it. You know, let's see. We have nothing really to lose other than I may bruise your cheek some from doing this. And he called me 10 days later and he's like, I have never been able to open my jaw this far. I have never been able to lay on my right side of my face to sleep. And he ended up coming back for one more treatment. And we've now been, I think we're about nine months of not needing treatment at all for him whatsoever. That's amazing. Just, I'm sure he didn't think that there would be something like this that could do that. No, he actually came to me for a completely different reason. And we just got touching on it. And I said, you know, we, off, we do offer this. And uh, he was just, he was actually one of my uh, first patient, first male patients that really had a very severe trigeminal neuralgia where I, where I was really sort of like, you know, I can't tell you I can get rid of this, but I probably can reduce your pain. And we just had a really fantastic outcome. That's incredible. Yeah. So when when patients want to maybe explore this with you, they should get a uh, referral from their primary care provider and then call Cooper Gilmore Health Center? Yes, that's exactly how it should be done. And then we'll do a consult initially to talk about exactly, you know, what they've tried in the past, how long it's happened, and I'll get a thorough history from them. And then um, we decide together as to whether or not it's an option and as to whether or not their insurance will cover it. Great. Well, I know this has been certainly eye-opening for me. I don't know. Oka, I don't know if it, we've never had a topic like this before. No, it's brand new for me. <laughs> no, this is great. Well, Kate, on behalf of uh, Oka and myself, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Island Health. We really appreciate it. Until next time. Thank you very much for having me. This has been the latest episode of the Island Health Podcast. On behalf of my co-host, Oka Hutchins, thank you for listening. As always, to listen to other episodes of Island Health, go to mdihospital.org and scroll over the About Us tab on our menu. Until next time, my name is Justin Starford. Be well.